Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Good morning. Welcome to Coastal Community Church. See what I got on this morning. Woo! Yeah, so uh, I know two purposes this serves today. Uh, the first purpose is that construction has begun. Woo! Are you excited? Come on, y'all got to be more excited than that. Are you excited? I'm really excited. Um, actually, I say construction has begun. Part of the construction process uh, is site work and then demolition. And uh, so the, uh, the demolition of the interior of our old building uh, has started. Ceilings are coming down. Uh, walls are getting ready to be busted up. And uh, it's just an exciting time here in the life of our church. We've been praying about this, planning for this, preparing for this, giving toward this. And uh, today also marks the day because all of that is happening to our old uh, children's ministry building, that our entire children's ministry has gone portable across the street. Now, for those moms and dads who dropped off your kids over there at Orange Grove Middle, how did it look? Was it awesome? Yeah, it looked awesome, didn't they? Really, we, they, they've done a great, great job, and uh, so we're excited about that. Hey, speaking of which, don't forget that children's ministry only takes place right now uh, during this service, the 930 service. So after this service is over, when you go pick up your kids, if any of you 930 folks would like to help them uh, break down and put up all the equipment, all the stuff, I know they would love for you guys to volunteer and to help with that. Uh, but the, of course, the other reason I'm wearing this hat, because it is, you know, Clemson, and we did beat up uh, academic magnet yesterday, so that was kind of cool. Anyway, I'm not going to be preaching during this, don't worry. Um, But uh, anyway, in fact, I I got that hat uh, when we built this building. They gave it to me then, and I was like, I I saved it, and I I was ready. I'm excited. Uh, So anyway, uh, but I'm excited, as Scott said, because today uh, we begin a brand new series called Hope in the Dark. Um, 2020 has been a year unlike any other. I mean, wow, this year has been crazy. I mean, just think about it, a a worldwide pandemic and everything that goes along with that, a national shutdown, social justice issues, hurricanes, fires, uh, racial and political unrest and division. And it has led everyone, so many people today, to feeling overwhelmed, defeated, discouraged, worried, afraid, and yes, even hopeless. And you kind of get the feeling sometimes, oh my goodness, I mean, what's next? What else could happen in 2020? And in your mind, it's like, okay, if aliens come, yeah, so be it. It's 2020. I mean, if all of a sudden a volcano pops up out of nowhere out in the Charleston Harbor and erupts, and if it happens, none of us would really be that surprised, would we? Because it's 2020. But let's get a little closer to home. This past year, for many of you here in the, at this church, those of you watching online, this year has not been easy. Some of you have lost jobs. There has been cancer, illness, divorce, separation, problems with kids, miscarriages. Some of you have lost a parent, a grandparent, a brother or sister, a loved one, a dear friend, There's been heartache and disappointment and disaster, and it is enough to make anyone feel discouraged, afraid, and hopeless. Now, would you agree that discouragement and fear and hopelessness is kind of a a universal disease? Would you agree with that? I mean, I actually believe that that's really the real pandemic, And, and, and everybody is susceptible. It's also highly contagious, I mean, you think about it. You get around other people that are, that are discouraged, what happens to you? 
you start feeling discouraged. You get around fearful, hopeless people, what happens? You're afraid. You start experiencing those feelings of hopelessness. But it's also very curable. And that's what I want us to talk about today and in this series. I, I believe, I really believe that what you focus on in life, for the most part, determines your happiness. What you focus on. Now, I got some great news for you. Today, we are beginning a new focus, a new series called Hope in the Dark. And we're going to be focusing in on, zeroing in on, the little book in the New Testament of First Peter. First Peter was written by the Apostle Peter to uh, Jewish Christians who had been driven out of their homeland, out of Jerusalem, by, by persecution, and now they're scattered all over the world. Throughout the Roman Empire, Christians were being tortured and killed for their faith. They're being thrown into the Colosseum and, and torn apart by wild animals. They're being burned at the stake. I mean, to say that these people were crushed, overwhelmed, afraid, or devastated would actually be an understatement. So Peter writes this important letter to these scattered, suffering Christians, trying to give them some, some hope and comfort and encouragement. And he's urging them to remain loyal to the cause of Christ. And I believe that it is a message that is written to us today. And as the world in which we live today seems to get darker and darker and more evil and more opposed to faith and Christianity, there are so many people, and probably many of you, who are feeling crushed and overwhelmed and worried and maybe even have lost your hope. And I think we need to be reminded that ultimately, guess what, guys? This world is not our home. And we have been called to rise above this world. We have been called to rise above our circumstances and that ultimately no one or no thing should ever be able to steal our hope. But how does that happen? What does that look like? What should we remember when we are discouraged, when we are feeling Hopeless. What should we focus on? Well, in this passage today, Peter says that there are at least three things that we together as believers should never, ever forget. And that's what I want us to focus on today. So if you're taking notes, join me. Number one, never forget that God has chosen me to be a part of his family. God has chosen me to be a part of his family. Let's begin 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners or uh, immigrants, uh, aliens in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. I want you to circle two words there in that verse, chosen and chose. What's he saying? Listen, he is saying that your salvation is no fluke. It's no accident. God chose you. He took the initiative long before you chose him. He knows everything there is to know about you, and yet he still chose you. He knows the good, the bad, and the very ugly, but he still took the initiative. Your salvation is not by chance. It was God's idea from the very start. Now, to me, that raises a couple of immediate questions. The first one is, hey, why in the world would God do that? I mean, seriously, why would he even do that? Why would he choose you or me to be a part of his family? And here's the great answer. Because God is a God of love. 
He is a God of grace. I mean, the more you understand his grace, the more you truly are going to be amazed by it. God chose you. I mean, did you deserve it? Absolutely not. Are you good enough in and of yourself to be a part of God's family? No way. He chose you. That's just great news. Now, on what basis did God choose you? Look at verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this next phrase. It is by his what? His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Circle the word there, mercy. It's based on God's mercy. It's got nothing to do with your performance. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't work hard enough for it. It's just God's grace, his mercy, that the creator of the universe says, you ready for this? I want you to be a part of my family. I choose you. Man, that blows me away. I mean, if that doesn't encourage you today, man, you, you need to check your pulse. See if you're still alive. Notice it says there, we have been born again. When I was really young, you know, growing up, I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't really like that term, born again. I thought it sounded kind of weird. It, it, it brought up pictures of just Bible-thumping religious whack jobs, okay? Born again. But it's a great term. It's a biblical term. Born again simply means a fresh start, a new life. Now, let me ask, let me ask a question this morning. Raise your hand or leave a comment online if you like to golf. Any, any golfers here today? You enjoy golfing? You consider yourself a golfer? Okay, we, we, we have a few. Now, I know what people think. People think, pastors, y'all just play golf all the time. I, we do not. I do not, at least. I, I only play golf about like, once every five to seven years, okay? That's how often I play golf. But just a couple of weeks ago, uh, the pastors here, the four pastors here at Coastal, we decided to go play golf together, just to goof off and have fun together. We knew things were getting ready to get really crazy around here, and uh, Shane Brinson here at our church gave us the hookup out at uh, Stono Ferry Country Club, and we went out and, and, and played golf, and we had a great, great time. It was a lot of fun. Now, let me explain the golfing situation here among the pastors. Scott Huff, Pastor Scott, he is a really good golfer. I mean, if you enjoy playing golf, you need to go out and play golf with Pastor Scott. He is a really good golfer. Ryan Spell is an average golfer. Okay, and I may, maybe even better than average. Okay, he is. I mean, you know, you know if you, uh, what, break 100 or something, I think he might have shot like in the low 90s. He's an he's a average golfer. Pastor Chris... I am an absolutely terrible, terrible golfer. Now, the reality is though, I have no shame or guilt, so I really don't care. It doesn't bother me, but I am an absolutely terrible, terrible golfer. But the really good news is, Chris Jones is worse than I am, okay? <laughs> He's in the back of the booth, but he can confirm this later. But uh, I mean, Chris, but together, okay, together, Chris and I, we're like hitting homes, we're killing small animals, we're injuring other people. I mean, it's awful, but we had a great time. Anyway, um, he did say, thank the Lord that he's good at other things. But anyway, um, however, years ago, Years ago, when I first played golf, when, in fact, when I, very, when I played golf for the very first time, I added a brand new word to my vocabulary. 
One of the greatest words in the history of words. Now, after a, in a very, very terrible shot, my, my more than patient friend said to me, that's okay, Pastor Chris, just take a mulligan. And I'm like, a mulligan? What's a mulligan? I mean, is that like, you know, hard liquor? That's kind of how it sounds, doesn't it? Woo, we'll take a mulligan, you know? No, he's like, no, Chris, a mulligan. It's a do-over. That shot doesn't count. You get to take another one. I mean, it was like the heavens opened up, angels started singing, and I became mulligan boy. I mean, it was, it was awesome. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Our God is the God of second chances. He is the God of the do-over. He is the God of the mulligan. He likes to take ordinary people. No, 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 listen. Less than ordinary people, messed up people, whack job people, people with a past. He loves to take those people and he loves to do something extraordinary with their lives. Now, here's the truth. A lot of you, maybe many of you today, don't believe that. I mean, practically, in, in reality, you truly don't believe it. Now, you can say it out loud, but you don't live it out. Here's why. You think you've blown it too bad. You think your past is too messed up. You think you've done things and experienced things that in your mind and in your heart disqualify you from ever being used by God in a great way. Listen to me today, and maybe this is why God brought you here. Nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. Peter is reminding us in the word of God, he's reminding these hurting, discouraged, hopeless believers, and he's reminding us that it is by God's great mercy that you have been brought into God's forever family. Can you remember growing up in elementary school and uh, getting in a bragging fight or a bragging match about your daddy? Anybody remember that? Probably a guy thing in elementary school, but it always started off with comparing what your daddy did. You remember this? Well, my daddy does this. Oh, yeah. Well, my daddy does this. And then it would digress into what your daddy can do, right? Real impressive stuff to an eight-year-old like, you know, how much your daddy can lift, uh, how much he could eat, uh, how loud he could belch, you know, really important things. And then finally, the debate always wound up with this. Whose daddy could what? Beat up whose daddy, right? That's where it would end up. And all of that, though, was done without any fighting whatsoever unless, unless someone in desperation brought up those two holy and off-limit words. Well, my daddy can do this. Oh, yeah, well, well, your mama. Okay, like, you didn't talk about your mama, right? You know, she was holy ground to little boys in elementary school. But you know what's funny to me? Think about this. It's funny how, things, how, how, how little things really change. What are we still doing today as adults? Man, we're puffing out our chest, aren't we? 
We're trying to impress people with silly things like what we can do, where we live, what we do for a living, the things we own, the cars we drive, the neighborhoods we live in. And, and think about how crazy that is, especially in days like this when all of that can be so easily and quickly taken away from everyone. But more importantly than that, you are a child of God. Listen, it doesn't get any better than that. And yet we might as well be a bunch of eight-year-olds out on a schoolyard. I mean, think about it. If somebody starts bragging about who they are or what they do, you can honestly look them in the eye and, so, and say, oh yeah, well, my daddy owns offices in every city of the world. In fact, look up at that sky. You see that airplane? He owns it. He owns the sky above it. He owns the earth below it. In fact, he owns AT&T, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Apple. He owns it all, and I... I am his child. Some of you today, man, you're just barely hanging on by a thread. And you're deeply hurting. And you have forgotten the truth of this. You know, some of you are going to have a tough week this week. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's a relational problem that needs to be confronted and dealt with. You are not here by accident today. Just as God chose you before you were even born, He brought you here today, and he wants to say this to you. He wants you to know that no matter what happens, no matter what happens in 2020, he still loves you. No matter what happens this week, the rest of this year, in 2021, God will always love you. Nothing can stop him from loving you, and you are his child. You're a part of his family. The second thing we need to never forget is this, number two, never forget that God is working in my life. God's working in my life. Not only did God choose you to be a part of his family, but Peter wanted these believers to know, and he wants you to know, that God is still working in your life even when you're going through problems, even when it's chaos, even when it's crazy, even when times are tough, even during a pandemic, even when you're discouraged, even though you don't feel it, and it might feel like God's a million miles away and you're all alone. God is saying, listen to me, I'm still at work. I'm working in your life right now. Look at verse two. And his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Christ Jesus. Notice he says God's spirit does a couple of things inside of you. He cleanses you and he changes you. You've been made holy and acceptable in God's sight. Not based, by the way, on your performance, but by the blood of Jesus. This verse basically says that the Holy Spirit of God He is the greatest demo team, the greatest decorator on the planet. I said earlier that this past week a a demo crew you know, started tearing down every, everything, everything on the inside of our old, old Coastal Kids building. I mean, ceilings, walls, everything. It's all coming down. Now, as you drove by this morning, as you walked in, from the outside, you really can't see all that work. But on the inside, it is being completely renovated and made brand new. The Holy Spirit of God, you ready for this? He does the same thing in your life. He's working, he's always working. He's working inside of you, 
Even when you don't feel it, even when it feels like and it seems like everything's on hold and everything is shut down, man, he's still working, even when other people can't see it. Now, there are two radical benefits, practical benefits to having God work in your life that Peter reminds us of here. Man, we need this today. Look at this, the end of verse two. May God give you more and more what? What's the next uh, two words? More and more what? Grace and peace. I like how the Living Bible paraphrases this. May God bless you richly, bless you grace, and grant you increasing freedom, listen to this, from all anxiety and fear. Peace, grace and peace. Is that needed today or what? Blessing and freedom from all anxiety and fear. If you let him, if you will obediently cooperate with the Holy Spirit, that is what God does in your life. And as your pastor, one of the deepest desires of my heart is that you would understand the grace of God and you would experience the peace of God. And you might push back today and say, yeah, but Pastor Chris, you just don't know. Man, you don't know the problems I'm going through. You don't know the stuff I'm dealing with. And I would say, you know what? You're right, I don't. But God does. And you may feel like your situation that you're going through right now is hopeless. But as long as you've got God, it is never hopeless. Listen, no matter what happens, no matter what this world throws at us, God will always love you, and he will always be working in your life. And you say, well, how? How does he do that? Well, look at verse 7. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. I mean, Peter's being really honest with the believers. He's being really honest with us. And he's saying that, listen, that God is testing and refining your faith. Now, how do they refine gold? They heat it up. They put it under intense pressure, intense heat, and as the gold gets hotter and hotter, the impurities rise to the top where they can just skim it off. Guys, God's doing that in your life. You feeling the heat today? Feeling a little pressure? That means God's working in your life. He's testing your faith. He's strengthening your faith. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, listen to this. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. He's basically saying, listen, I know it's hard, but you know the short time of problems that you are going through right now on this side of eternity, it is going to result in the richest blessings that will last forever and forever. These hard times, they are nothing compared to the coming glory, to the coming good times. Because God's at work. He's working in your life. So when you're feeling discouraged or hopeless, man, you gotta remember, you are a part of the family of God. You've been chosen. And then secondly, even when you can't see it, Remember, God's still working in your life. And then the third reminder, the third thing for us to focus on is this. Number three, never forget that God has secured my future. 
God has secured my future. Verse 4, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Peter is saying that, man, never forget that God has given you the priceless gift of eternal life. How long is eternal? It's forever. Eternal life worth to you. Listen, you can't put a price on it. And then Peter gives you some even better news. Once you've got it, listen to this, nobody can take it away for you. In fact, he wants us to get this point so much that he emphasizes it over and over and over again in this verse. He says here that we have, look back at this verse, we have an inheritance that is kept in heaven. Another translation uses the word reserved. In other words, listen, it is held in heaven waiting just for you. And then he says, uh, he uses the word pure and undefiled to describe it. That means that nobody can spoil it for you. Nobody can ruin it. He says it's beyond the reach of change and decay. In other words, its value never changes. It never goes bad. Anybody here uh, bought a car in the last you know, year or two? What happens to that car the moment you drive it off the lot? It what? It decreases in value. And so Peter is saying something very significant here over and over and over again for you and I and these believers to get. He's saying, hey, listen, I know it's hard. I know it's tough, but get this message. You can't lose what is given to you once you've got it, and it never goes bad. It never decreases in value. That's security. Listen, if you think you can lose something that God's chosen to give you, you really don't understand grace. Titus 3, 5, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, again, here's that word, but because of his mercy. Now, if I were saved on the basis of what I do, and then obviously I stop doing it, or I mess up, I'd lose it, I'd lose my salvation. But you and I are saved on the basis of what Jesus did. And he never messed up. He did it all. In fact, on the cross, what were his final words? It is finished. And it can't be undone. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that no one can boast about it. Listen, you don't get to heaven based on your good works. So once you accept Jesus Christ by faith as your personal Lord and Savior, you don't lose your salvation by your mistakes. Some of you today, I fear that the reason why you keep putting off this, this great commitment, this great decision of, of giving your life to Jesus and committing your life to him is because you're afraid, and, and, and this is your thought process as well, what if I can't keep the commitment? You know, what if I become a believer and then I mess up, then I sin? What do you mean if? You will. You know, oh man, what if I can't hold out? It's not yours to do the holding. You know, we get this idea of like, well, you know, we're, we'll go out and blow it and make mistakes, and then we're going to, you know, just crawl in the gutter somewhere and say, oh, God, you know, I'm so sorry I let you down. And God is going to say, you didn't let me down. 
You weren't holding me up. God holds you up. That's grace. Jesus said in John 10, 29, For my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. Paul said in Romans 8, 39, I love this, No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That, my friends, is security. And that's what we got to focus on when times are tough and you're discouraged and you're afraid and you're feeling hopeless. Verse 5, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Circle the phrase there, by his power. Again, it's not based on your ability. It's based on God's ability, his power. God in his mighty power will make sure you can't lose this. Now, you might lose your job, you might lose your house, you might lose your, your, your health, you might lose your very own life. But there is one thing you will never lose, and that's your salvation. That should be an encouragement to you. He keeps it, he holds it, he protects it. It is kept in heaven, undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. I might lose so many other things in this world or in this life, but let me tell you something. I have read the final chapter of God's holy word, and guess what? We win. We win. Yes, the world around us might be getting darker and darker and worse and falling apart, but in the end, we win. Verse six, so be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a while. Did you hear that? He says, rejoice. You may go through some tough times here on earth, on this side of eternity. In fact, he says, you will go through them. But in light of eternity, in light of the reward that you're going you're gonna to receive for the testing of your faith, It'll make any problem, any circumstance, any pandemic, even losing our very lives seem insignificant. Don't lose that perspective. Maybe you're discouraged right now and you feel all alone. Never forget, God has chosen you to be a part of his family. The Bible term for that is salvation. Maybe it feels like your whole life has been on hold and nothing significant is happening. Never forget, God is always working in your life. That's sanctification. Maybe you're worried about tomorrow. Maybe you're worried about the rest of this year. Maybe you're worried about the election. Never forget, God has secured your future. Glorification. That is what God is going to do. That's what he's doing for you. And those things can never be taken away. I mean, your boss might take stuff away. The government might take it away. Your ex might take it away. Your enemies might take it away. And, and that's why there is hope in the dark. Because those things ultimately can never be taken away from us. 
Listen, in fact, Peter concludes this whole section in verse 12 by saying this. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. No matter what we go through on this side of eternity, he's saying, you know what? Man, the angels are envious of everything that we have in Christ. What about you today? Have you forgotten who you are in Christ? Have you forgotten what you have? Remember, what you focus on in life determines your happiness. Now, maybe you're here today and you're not yet in Christ. You're not here by accident. You're not here by mistake. You didn't just find us. God's been searching for you. And he brought you here today. You're not just tuning in today by accident or mistake. He brought you here. And he's ready for you to come home. He does the cleaning. You don't have to clean yourself up before you come home to God. He is eagerly waiting to run to you and embrace you. But he's just waiting on you to cooperate. He's just waiting on you to take that one little step of faith and say, I believe. I put all my faith and trust in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross through his resurrection. I believe he's alive and I commit my life to following him. Are you ready to do that? Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today... I thank you for your word. I thank you for this letter that, that Peter wrote to these believers so many years ago that he is writing to us today. There is hope. There is hope in the dark. Father, help us to uh, focus on the truth of your word, that we are a part of your forever family. You have chosen us, that you are still working in our lives, even when things seem like they're all shut down, and that you have secured our future. So glorious that even the angels are envious of what's awaiting for us. And no one or no thing in this world can take that away from us. And listen, if you are here today and you are ready to be adopted into God's family and to be a part of all of that and so much more, just pray something like this right here and right now. God, I admit it. I have blown it. I am a sinner. I am in need of a Savior. And today, God, I, I humbly confess that I believe I believe that Jesus is real. I believe that he is your son. I believe that he lived a perfect life for me. I believe that he paid for my sin on the cross. My sin put him there, nailed him on that cross. But sin and death and this world could not contain him. He rose from the dead and he is alive. And today I believe it. And I put my faith and trust in him and him alone. And now God, for as long as I live on this side of eternity, I just want to follow Jesus. I want to follow him. Father, may we be the church that you have called us to be in a very dark world. May we be 
beacons of light and hope to the watching world. May we show this world that there is hope. And it is not in anything this world would ever produce. It is not in a political party. It is not in a president. It is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, may you use us to make his name famous where we live, work, parent, and play. And I pray this today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.